You're listening to What's the Rumpus? Shh. Geeks in progress. Our webpage is whatstherumpuspodcast.com where you can chat with us in IRC, vote for the FARC headline of the week, or join in our off-air discussion in the forums. Our theme song is Better Nation by Curious Hands and can be found at podsafeaudio.com. Hannah. I'm Charles Thomas. I think we should just stop talking about Ryder because I don't think he's ever going to join us again. True. <laughs> he'll, he'll be a surprise guest at some point. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, as as I was waiting for you to unfuck your mic, um, I was reading Post Secret, which I think you know about, but uh, in case anybody doesn't, in case anybody's actually listening to this and doesn't know what Post Secret is, um, it's a this guy basically started a blog and gave, put his mailing address on the blog and, oh, hold on a second, I got a burp, my mute button. All right, so he gave everyone on the blog his mailing address and they email, or they, they traditional mail him um, postcards with secrets on them and they're supposed to be anonymous. Um, so I was reading it in the last... Uh, he posts every every Sunday morning is when he posts the week's best postcards, and this week's was uh, it said it says this almost cost me every fucking thing. I found it after it was too late. It it's a key logger taped to a postcard, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's a there's an explanation about it uh, because there was also a, a wedding ring taped to the postcard, uh, so. <laughs> This woman was having an affair, and her husband caught her using a keylogger, like a hardware one that goes in between the the keyboard and the PS2 port. Uh, awesome. <laughs> sucker. You got to watch out for that crap. I don't know. That's all I wanted to say about that. I just thought it was really funny that he got that she got busted using a keylogger because I didn't yeah. think anybody actually used those. Yeah, no. And doubt. I didn't think they would actually work for anything. <laughs> That's crazy and awesome. And yeah, and hilarious. All right. Uh, so a question was posed this week on Lifehacker. What would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? Um, yeah, I, I, um, I saw that, and I thought it was a really interesting question. Um, I didn't really have anything particular to say about it. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Right. Well, apparently it was something that was posed by some pastor, um, and it's basically going along the lines with there's a lot of uh, – questions like that, that that try and get you to, you know, eliminate fear or uh, um, money from a, from a situation. You know, like when it, the, the typical question you get asked in high school of if you had a million dollars, what would you do kind of thing, you know, right. to try and figure out. It's one of those questions that's supposed to make you think about what, where you want to, what you want to do with your life. Right. And uh, I, I, thought, I thought it was a, uh, particularly interesting. Um, you know, I started thinking about it, but then it started making me think about uh, uh, the movie Limitless, um, which is, oh yeah, it's a movie about a guy who has a drug that makes you super smart. Um, and uh, I, I just went off on a huge tangent with a, with that in my brain, and I just I think it's interesting to to think about that. You know, I mean, like like I was thinking about you know if I if I were to attempt something that I knew that I couldn't fail at, I think I would definitely try and, and uh, start up my own uh, 
my own startup. That came out really poorly worded. <laughs> you think you would try to start a company? Yeah, I'd go. I'd, I'd go the entrepreneurial route, and I don't. I don't even know what I would do, but I'm sure I could come up with something that would be interesting to do. Yeah, that was sort of what I was thinking too. Um, but I, the problem is, so I read a lot of websites and books of people that have um, started their own companies, like uh, the Four Hour Work Week and. Um, Derek Sievers, who started the website CD Baby uh, and made a shitload of money, wrote a, a short book that's on Amazon that I read. Um, but a lot of these people always say um, it's not the idea, it's the mindset or something like that. Like to be an entrepreneur, you, it, it's not about having the right idea. It's about uh, doing the legwork until you find the right idea. Right. Um, but I haven't figured out how to do that yet. So <laughs> I'm still waiting for the idea. <laughs> A lot, a lot of what I've heard too, because I follow, I read a lot of the same kind of blogs and, and everything, and, and uh, you know that what a lot of people say is it's not, it's not so much about the uh, the mentality of I'm going to make this work. It's the you got to have the with your idea, you have to have the mentality of this is a really awesome idea, and I need to share it with people, kind of thing. Right. Because because ultimately the uh, the idea. That the idea has to uh, um, has to hold weight, and and if it's just you're doing this to to make money or to be successful, uh, most of the time that that kind of uh, mentality is going to cause you to fail. Right, because the because setbacks will be bigger when you are less invested in the idea. Is that right. the thing? Yeah. yeah. Much. Dude, I'm telling you, I, you have got to check out Foundation on Revision Three. They've, okay. they've, they've got like eight episodes and, and they're, it's all just really cool. I mean, they, they, it's, it's not all just like technology startups either. Um, they, they, uh, Kevin Rose talks to the, um, the guy is a guy who started a, a tea house in, in the San Francisco area. And, uh, and that's pretty, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just really cool because you see like the commonality between all of these different people and, and, and everything. You get to hear some really neat insightful things about, you know, starting a business. Hmm. Oh, the Onion AV Club has a podcast on Revision 3? Do they? It's AV Talk. I had no idea. Revision 3 is getting fucking huge. Yeah, they are. Like, they had the thing with uh, uh, Lifehacker, and and now they're teaming up with The Onion. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Although, the Lifehacker show sucks. Uh, and I stopped watching it, but it's still awesome that they have it. <laughs> yeah. What's it called? Oh, Foundation Nerds. I'm uh, subscribing to it at the moment. I um, I stopped using iTunes to aggregate podcasts and started using Google Reader because I uh, stopped. I bought a Kindle and stopped re- watching podcasts on the train. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, doesn't make sense to uh, keep using a shitty aggregator because I, iTunes is pretty good at some stuff, but it fucking sucks for podcasts. Like, I don't know. It just. I think the big thing is if a if it fails to download a feed, it never checks that feed ever again until you manually manually check it. Until you manually check it. Until you manually check it, which is stupid. Yeah, I. Uh, um yeah, I uh, 
when I got my my new phone or when I got the phone that I have, I actually bought an app that's a, a podcast app. So I just download everything on my phone to listen to, mm-hmm. which is way better than using iTunes. Yeah. I don't know. I, um, I've had, so I used to hate iTunes because, um, I don't want this to be the anti Apple podcast, but, um, I don't want it to be the pro Apple podcast either. Uh, but anyway, um, I used to use iTunes. No, what am I talking about? iTunes sucks. Oh yeah. I used to think that iTunes was really bad because it would like lag out every time a song changed or every time I tried to rate a song, but then I copied. So I copied my music collection to a portable hard drive and then copied it directly onto the, my box at work using a completely different operating system and a completely different player and not using I, the iTunes library functionality in any way. It still does the same thing. So except it doesn't do it to the same song every time. I, I think somehow my MP3 library got, like the actual MP3 file somewhere got corrupted and music players can't handle them now, except they still play. It just lags out in between songs. It's really weird. Lame. I've never, I've never experienced anything like this before because it's literally different machines, different hard drives, different music players, different operating systems, and none of them, and they all choke. On, and, and it's a different song every time, and if you replay the same song later, it doesn't do it. I don't understand how that's even possible. Inconsistent problems are the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been experimenting with other music services lately, trying to figure out how to do how to just listen to music, and I really haven't found one that I, I can really evangelize about. I mean, they're all okay in their own way. They all kind of suck in their own way too. Yeah. I thought about using Amazon's cloud player, except I don't want to pay for more online storage because I'm already paying for uh, uh, Backblaze, the online backup service. And I mean, it's only five bucks a month, but um, I mean, if I was going to do that, then I would want to back up my entire hard drive to Amazon. And uh, I don't know that they have a service that does that yet. No, not yet. Okay. Speaking of Apple, uh, you had said something. You had uh, posted about uh, skedaddle. That doesn't sound like a thing that I know about. It's uh, the the secret drawer on your Mac. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot that that's what it was called, <laughs> and I for- and I forgot that I submitted it to Life ha- or to Reddit. <laughs> I, I really like this. Uh, okay, so basically, what this is is it's a it's an app for uh, for for a Mac that you uh, it makes like a secret uh, space on your desktop. So you put in the uh, the right keyboard shortcut and uh, type in a password, and this uh, window magically appears that's got you know files and and folders and stuff that you want hidden. And uh, I, I really like this idea because it's you know. For so long, uh, in, there's been like encryption, so you have things that you go and encrypt and hide somewhere, and then people can't access it because they don't know the password. But it's still there, and they know that it's there. You know, unless you do something like you know have a folder on your desktop called Nickelback songs, and then nobody ever looks in there. <laughs> Excellent example. <laughs> or. Uh... C colon slash my document slash ZZZ slash vacation pick slash 
uh, grandma's funeral picks slash uh, ZZZ slash AAA slash dirty, dirty, dirty porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where you hide so, the Nickelback music. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so I really like this idea. It does have some pretty serious faults, though. First of all, there isn't any encryption at all. And second, if you were to browse to the desktop in a file browser or through the command line, you still see those files. So all it does is hides them from the literal actual desktop. I guess not literal desktop, but the, the, the actual machine desktop. It doesn't actually obscure them in any other way, and it doesn't do anything to pr- protect the files. Um, but it's a really interesting start. Well, the thing that it, I, the thing that I liked about it is that you know is you you know the paradigm on on with computers up until this point has always been you know the whole encryption and you can't really hide it kind of thing and they're actually starting it's just one of those like virtual reality type of shifts where it's like you know well now you have a secret compartment on your desktop that you can hide things in but it's right uh, and like you said it sounds like it's a good start but it's not yeah it also. Um, the only other thing I can think of that's even remotely like this is the plausible deniability feature of TrueCrypt. So with TrueCrypt, TrueCrypt is software that lets you create a file and anything, and then um, the the file itself is encrypted. But then you use TrueCrypt to mount that file essentially as a drive on your machine, so it looks like a new hard drive when it's unencrypted. And then you can read and write to it as if it was a, like a thumb drive or something like that. But the actual file. On the on the on the system is an encrypted file and it stays encrypted the entire time. Um, so the 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 plausible deniability feature is um, if you try to mount that encrypted file using the correct password, it takes you to the files you actually want. But if you try to mount it with the um, a different password, um, it takes you to different files. So it's essentially it's sort of like a zip file within a zip file. And if uh, the the outer zip file is the one that contains your actual files, and then the inner zip file is the one that contains files that um, you, you basically plant there to make it look like they were documents that you needed to be encrypted. So if for whatever reason someone forces a password out of you, you give them the one that unlocks the inner zip file, and then it gives them documents that were encrypted but don't actually matter. And then they never even know that the other files exist because they've said, we demand the password, you've given them the password and they've unencrypted it so it looks like everything works. Except because you gave them the password to the inner zip file, they don't see anything outside of that file and they have no idea that that stuff is there. Right. And that's, uh, you know, I, I, that's such a cool feature and I've, I've always thought about, you know, using that, but uh, I've, first of all, I'm just lazy and I never really thought about <laughs> that up, but Secondly, it's like, well, I mean, it's a cool idea, but there, I don't really have... I, I don't know, have a need to do that. Yeah, I'm not expecting to be, you know, kidnapped by terrorists to get the nuclear launch codes. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that oh. the feature is there because that's really cool. And I'm sure there are people out there that, that make good use of it, but I am not one of those people. Yeah. Again, that would be the, uh, you know the correct password gets you all the awesome porn and the incorrect password gets you, you know, the entire uh, Nickelback discography. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Second Life. Virtual pets. Um, There's a problem in in Second Life where uh, virtual pets are being starved to death. Um, I, I... 
there are so many levels of hilarity to this. Yeah, this is a so this this story is really interesting, but the implications of the story are more interesting. But we can get into that after we explain the story. Sure. So basically, in Second Life, you, you Second Life is a is an alternate reality game where it's there's not really a point to the game. It just sort of exists. So in the game, you have an avatar, and you can clothe the avatar, and you can make the avatar do things, uh, sort of like The Sims. Um, but you can also buy uh, property and buildings and items of different sorts in the game using in-game currency. Um, and you can also have pets. So a bunch of people in Second Life have pets, and they've been buying pet food that isn't actually... So as I understand it, it's not actually part of the game, as in the game creators didn't make it. Somebody made it as like a mod or something, and then it it was cheaper than the game-made pet food. So there was this huge like black market of cheap uh, fake pet food that kept everyone's pets fed. So every, the number of pets skyrocketed to the point that the game makers found out about this illicit food and banned it. And so now there's less food there's not enough food to go around because they cut out a huge supply well, and now all of the pets are sto- are dying of starvation also the uh, um it, it would, they basically just uh dropped the ban hammer and uh the 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 people that actually make the legitimate food supply have also been banned and so uh so there was a time time frame in which there was no possible way to get food for your pets Oh, okay. I didn't catch on to that. That's interesting too. And uh, the, uh, the 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 pets don't actually like die. Um, basically, what happens is if they get hungry enough, they will uh, leave their owner and basically just kind of disappear. So it's essentially they're they're essentially dying, but you know they they you know make it sound. It's still do they still exist in game? Like no, they, they disappear it... and they're basically deleted from the game. So they're it's they're essentially oh, I... dead, but it's. It's, but it's not like you walk into your second life home and find a rotting animal corpse. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. That, I, I think that in and of itself is interesting. But what's more interesting to me is the fact that it it's a perfect example of why things like food shouldn't be regulated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting more and more cranky about politics lately. And uh, so when I read this, all I could think about was the fact that um, there was a, a free market of food and everything was working fine until the, somebody tried to regulate it and then everything went to hell and things started dying. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's not real life, it's sec- second life, but it, I think it still shows an example of what happens when you let things be regulated. Yeah, you know, I, I have been known to make fun of second life because, I mean, first of all, there's no point to it. Um, and secondly, it just seems like a waste of time to me. But uh, there are some seriously fascinating things that happen on Second Life every once in a while. Like, uh, yeah. there was... Uh, um, Wasn't there something about giant flying boners? Or, uh... yeah, yeah, it was... Um, I think it was when Al Gore ran for president. And he had uh, a campaign headquarters in Se- Second Life. And he was giving like a virtual speech in Second Life or something like that. And so there was this big rally of Al Gore supporters outside of his uh, campaign headquarters in Second Life, and somebody decided that it would be awesome to uh, hack the game in such a way that uh, um, uh, basically a bunch of dildos dropped out of the sky 
and so it was a rain of <laughs> a rain of rubber rubber cocks falling on everybody. Uh, man, I wish uh, I had seen that. <laughs> this guy invented the internet, and not even he gets respect in Second Life. That's true. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the internet going global, or some shit like that. Or going to open to the public. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. I just <laughs> let me see if I can find the, the link. I'm pretty sure I saw it on Second Life. Uh, Mental flaws. Second, Second Life is also pretty pretty interesting insofar as uh, uh, they'll hold like uh, like virtual conferences on uh, on Second Life. I remember when when we worked for for Michigan Tech. Um, we had to uh, install Second Life on a couple of computers because some of the grad students were uh, attending some virtual symposium on Second Life where they were learning about whatever their uh, their focus was in uh, of, in mechanical engineering. And uh, one of them was actually presenting at this at one of the symposiums on on Second Life. So I think it's interesting that that, that it's getting it's actually getting utilized in ways that I'm sure the the creator never even thought of um, and that that always to me is interesting yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely interesting oh so i found the tweet it was uh on august 6 1991 20 years ago today the world wide web became available to the public thanks tim berners lee or al gore <laughs> depending on whether you believe history or politician yeah that's just his nickname you know al gore just went by tim berners lee back then you know, I never have seen them in the same room together. It's true. Of course, I don't think I even know what Tim Berners-Lee looks like, so <laughs> maybe I have and just didn't know it. Wah, wah, wah. It reminds me of the um, the Family Guy episode where uh, um, it's, um, oh, crap, what's his name? The um, fat documentary maker from Michigan. Michael Moore. Yeah. Is Michael Michael Moore, and it turns out to be uh, Rush Limbaugh too, and he just wears a suit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it's not, it's like something like he he does it just because he wants to be loved or some silly shit like that. Yeah, that's that's genius. <laughs> and and I thought Family Guy was not funny anymore. That's really really funny. Yeah. Must be they're still hit or must be their hit or miss. Yeah, That's, yeah, it's like, pretty hit or miss. Stuff. It's been a while since I've watched Family Guy and thought it was funny, but it's also been a while since I've watched Family Guy. So, okay, only in Massachusetts would you find something like this happening. But uh, apparently, uh, somebody has figured out that the uh, lottery system in Massachusetts is massively broken. <laughs> Go, it's actually uh, some some people from uh, MIT and Northeastern University figured this out. Uh, that apparently, if the uh, the the lottery jackpot is uh, at or above two million dollars and nobody wins the jackpot, um, as long as you have put, invested uh, over a hundred thousand dollars worth of, into tickets, you will uh, earn a profit because. Yeah. Uh, because uh, uh, the way it, the way it works is is if the the, the jackpot gets over two million dollars and nobody wins, then they, there's actually a swell in the prize money for the smaller prizes. Um, so and so the way it, let's see what, how do they what, what do they say here? Um, if you bought two hundred thousand cash windfall tickets 
during during the um, the four four they're called roll down weeks. Um, in in a year, you would win enough to cover your uh, 1.6 million dollar investment and earn a profit of between a quarter million and one and a half million dollars without actually winning the jackpot. Awesome. That and that is so freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, I read another story about this, other than the one that I found on uh, on Slashdot, and apparently there was this uh, this older lady and her husband were they would go in um, every once in a while. They'd come, they'd go into the same like convenience stores, and one of them would go to one place, and another one, and the other one would go to you know the store two blocks down, and they'd sit there mm-hmm. for like an hour and a half just using the machine to buy tickets, and they just so you know there this little old lady comes in two and a half hours later she walks out with a giant stack of tickets and they're making huge massive amounts of money off of this venture and uh (laughs) so apparently it wasn't just you know smart people at mit that that had figured this out somebody else had figured it out too but it just i think it's funny because you know you've got in boston you have some of the most prestigious colleges in the u.s and you would imagine that a brain trust like that would come up with some way of breaking or finding loopholes in in a system like that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, there's a lot that's interesting about that. First of all, that somebody would even want to do the math, um, but that's what happens when you have a whole bunch of nerds in one place. Uh, and uh, second, that they would actually find a loophole like that. And third, that they haven't it hasn't been closed yet. Like this will still work, right? Right. Yep, they, they haven't they haven't adjusted the uh, the system at all yet. Yeah. But then again, I mean, if you think about it, how many people are going to have that? How many people that typically pay play the lottery have over a hundred thousand dollars to spend on lottery tickets? That's a fair point. So Except as long as you now as, that, as long as they're still making that, a profit off of it, I don't think that they're going to have a problem with just okay, you know, a, a dozen or so people just just made a bunch of money off of us. I'm sure they'll patch it up eventually, but for now, it's probably not a big issue for them. Except that, except that now that it's been publicized and people will actually try it. <laughs> That's true. All right. Uh, the itch. Uh, scratching an itch oh, oh. through the scalp to the brain. Um, okay, so basically this is uh, um, was a story in The New Yorker that uh, documented a case of a woman who had uh, this constant itch that she couldn't uh, get rid of. Um, I tried reading this whole thing. It was a really long article. Um, so I actually didn't read any of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, awesome. Um, so basically, what, what this woman um, who remains anonymous throughout this, um, she uh, went to Boston College and got a degree in psychology uh, got married, had kids, had a you know a good uh, life going for her, and then um, she had a spat with her husband. And when she was 32, got a divorce, uh, started drinking, found found a new boyfriend. They drank a bunch together, started doing drugs, started doing heavy drugs. She went to the doctor because she wasn't feeling well. Found out she had HIV. Um, and she had a breakout of uh, scabies, I think. Oh, shingles. Had a breakout of shingles um, and uh, got treated for that, got into um, rehab, started making uh, everything better for her life. Um, 
And uh, but then all of a sudden, after two years of being sober and without shingles, she started getting uh, an itch on the right side of her head, and uh, she'd scratch it. And she went to the doctor to find out, you know, what was wrong. And the doctor said they couldn't find anything except for just scratch marks from her scratching constantly. Um, and so you know they were doing tests and they're trying to figure out this or that and giving her different kinds of drugs and everything. And uh, you know she was like. She was like, it was, it was hard, it was hard to deal with because, you know, throughout the day you're constantly aware of it, and so it was just, you know, this will fight of willpower to stop from scratching. But then at night when you're asleep, you can't help it, and so she would wake up with a bloody pillow because she'd scratched herself so bad. And so at one point she woke up and uh, to the alarm clock and she sat up. And she felt uh, something dribbling down her face from her head, and she like wiped it off, and it was like a greenish liquid. So she put a bandage on her head and ran to the doctor, and the doctor had to call an ambulance because apparently in the middle of the night, she had scratched through her scalp, through her uh, uh, skull, and through the uh, blood barrier, and actually had started gouging her brain. That is fucking insane yeah <laughs> that is so fucking crazy what the fuck <laughs> yeah you know you always think about you know your 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 skull and you're, you you scratch and you're like you get that good scratch going and all of a sudden it just burns and hurts and everything and you're like oh i wonder if i'm bleeding you you know at least i've at some point thought about you know man i'm so glad that i have a skull because there's no way that i could actually scratch through my skull apparently not yeah that is fucked up. All I can think about right now, and this is so bizarre, but all I can think about right now is, uh, oh fuck, what was his name? Uh, was it Andy from the Shawshank Redemption and his tiny little uh, rock pick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Use that tiny little rock pick to pick a hole in the wall of the Shawshank prison. Oh, that's fucked up and gross. Yeah. Creeps me out. <laughs> so that's about as far into the story as I got, and they were doing more uh, research, and it had there was they found something about about there's a specific type of nerve that uh, that causes the, uh, the the itch sensation, and I think what they had found was that she had something wrong with with there was a misfire of those nerve endings in in her scalp on the right side, and that's why she was doing that, and I don't know if they figured out a way to cure it or anything, but uh, I couldn't get past the part about her actually <laughs> scratching her brain. God, if if I ever wake up in this brain juice on my pillow, I think I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> Although, I guess I would have had to have lost it before that in order to end up with brain juice on my pillow when I woke up. <laughs> yeah. God, that's fucked up. Yeah. I don't get creeped out by much, but that fucking gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, no doubt. And the worst part is now it's making my scalp itchy. And it's like, I don't want to touch my head. Uh, I'm just going to go take a bath in head and shoulders. <laughs> you know, they have a shampoo called head and shoulders when they should have a body wash called knees and toes. <laughs> so what do you use in the shower? Head, shoulders, knees, and toes? No, not what you mean. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes? <laughs> knees and toes. <laughs> clean my face i use uh eyes and ears and mouth and nose <laughs> yes yes we got there uh speaking of pain in the head uh the, the slap hat 
Yeah, what the fuck is that? That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want one, just so that I can swat people in the face for saying something stupid. Where is that not on Reddit anymore? Did it get taken down? No, it well, should yeah. be. That's where I found it. Um, so basically, all this is it's a regular ball cap that has um, some kind of weighted material in the top of the hat, so you can grab it by the bill and hit somebody with it, and it's like a cudgel. So you can actually just like beat somebody with that. Yeah, it's 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 a weaponized baseball cap, yeah. basically. And um, I, I think I think the only good use for this is, like I said, to slap the shit out of somebody who says something dumb. <laughs> and I, I was curious when I was reading about this. Uh, the the I, I wonder how the what the material is in in the hat, the weighted material. I wonder if it would do anything like. Um, like a protection against, like if somebody tried to hit you in the head, if it add, has some kind of added protection, or if that is could be used as some kind of added protection from getting beat in the skull. But yeah. I, just, I think it's amusing that there are products like this on the market. I mean, if you look at some of the... Uh, yeah, the thing that, that, that was really why I wanted to talk about it, because, like, people are so fucking paranoid that they need, they think they need to weaponize everything. Like, they, the, one of the recommended items is something called a tactical pen, yeah, it's a it's a weapon that's shaped like a pen, so you can carry it, and people will think it's a pen, and it looks like a pen, but it's super heavy, and it's designed to use like either to hold in your fist when you punch somebody, or to stab at somebody, uh, gross point blank style in the at the high school reunion when he jams yeah. that guy's yeah. neck. No one is ever going to buy one of those and actually use it ever, unless they're like special ops or spies or something. But they sell it on fucking Amazon. Yeah. Fuck, who the fuck carries that thinking, well, I don't know, maybe somebody will jump out of the bushes and try and kill me and I'll need my tactical pen to save me. <clears throat> tactical pen in one hand, cudgel hat in the other. Yeah, it's so dumb. Also, I think it's funny that it's called Slap Hat because it reminds me of Slap Chop. <laughs> ShamWow guy, Slap Chop's a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> Best fark headline ever. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just I think it's dumb. Yeah. Oh my god. There one of the uh um one of the the you know customers who bought this item also bought uh items is uh it's a knife that's in hidden inside of a a, a hairbrush. <laughs> so you have your hairbrush and you use it to brush your hair. It's like a it's like a sword cane. You know, you have something that's kind of functional and you use it for whatever, but just in case you get attacked, you just pop the brush top off of it and you can stab the crap out of somebody. That's awesome. Good luck trying to get that shit on a plane. Also, apparently people who buy the uh, the slap hat also like ninja stuff. Like the ninja no. handle. <laughs> uh, and ninja caltrops. And, uh, oh, hey, look, it's another knife hidden inside of a comb. <laughs> so silly. Ninja actually, throwers, uh, pro stars. There's a, so I have this really weird... I'm. I can't think of a better word than fetish, but it's not sexual in any way. For people's stuff, like the posts I always find the most interesting on, on Lifehacker were always the ones like, here's all the crap I carry in my in my bag, and yeah. here's all the crap I always have on my person in my pockets, and here's all the crap I, uh, here's, here's what my desk looks like with all my crap on it. For some reason, I love those posts, uh-huh. um, and Lifehacker has a flicker pool of people's uh, workspaces. Um, but I, I part those. Yeah. I also found this website. Let me see if I can find what it's actually called. Is it? Yep, this is it. Okay, so it's um, 
It's the acronym is EDC. It's everyday carry. And it's basically the stuff that you have in your pockets at all times. And I love this website, but it is so, it's such a weird niche website because it's literally just pictures of the contents of people's pockets. <laughs> like this one here. So the, this all leads in because this one here, the guy has uh, a digital watch, a, a super bright, super compact flashlight, a money clip, his keys, and then a pocket knife, which is fairly normal. But then he ha- he actually has a tactical pen. It's made by Smith & Wesson. It's the Smith & Wesson tactical pen. And then the next guy down has uh, three flash- four flashlights, two knives, and then watch keys, etc., this guy has two knives and then a wallet and a phone. This guy's got one knife slash multi-tool. It, like, it's really interesting to look at, but who the fuck actually uses all of these knives all the time? No one. There's actually Some of these people actually post pictures of their uh, handguns. Um, and I saw that. It's like I can't imagine that either they actually carry it every day or unless they're in law enforcement, like who actually carries a pistol with them all the time? Um, I, my parents. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people in New Mexico. Like, okay. So maybe it's just a regional thing, but I've only met one person that ever always had a pistol on them. And, uh, that guy was a nut. <laughs> I don't disagree. Yeah. Well, okay. see like New Mexico, New Mexico is one of the, one of those States where you yeah. don't have to register, uh, weapons. Uh, or uh, guns, you don't have to register guns, and uh, um, you're allowed to carry it around wherever you go as long as it's what's called an open carry, which means it's visible. For, so you wear it on on like your belt, but you don't have a, like a shirt covering it or anything. So you make sure that it's perfectly visible and you're set. It's also the easy one of the easiest states in the U.S. to uh, get a concealed carry permit in. So then you can carry it in your jacket or whatever, and you know you can carry as many guns with you as you want. You know, uh, I don't know. I mean, I am absolutely a proponent of the Second Amendment, and I think they have every right to do that. I just don't imagine a situation in which I would actually need a gun. Yeah. And I live in New York City, which is <laughs> <laughs> you would think that that would be a place where you would want to have one, but I've never been in a situation where I have thought, you know what, I wish I had a gun right now. Yeah. Well. New York City also has uh, um, their gun laws are, are insane. It, it, yeah, I actually I looked into it because I wanted to go to a rifle range just for grins. Uh-huh. Uh, but you, it's like so I was looking at they you can't fire a handgun with you can't even hold a handgun without a permit. Right. The permit five hundred bucks. It's crazy craziness. All right, study of the week. The study of the week, um, a study was done on on social security numbers, and uh, this is a group from uh, from Central Michigan University that uh, uh, they've been doing research on social security numbers for a while now. Um, and back in 2009, they figured out they were the ones that figured out that there is actually um, a method to how a social security number is issued. So it's not like you're assigned an arbitrary number or a random number it's there's some methodology to figuring out what your social security number should be and mm-hmm. uh, what they've done now is they've built a, um, 
a program that works with uh, um, facial recognition technology and uh, um, it data mines Facebook and publicly available uh, information. And uh, basically, it takes uh, it takes uh, a picture of you. So what they were doing is they had they had uh, people sitting down in front of a computer to take a, a survey. And uh, while they were taking the survey, the webcam on the on the, the laptop would take their picture and then match that up uh, and try and find them on, on Facebook or where, wherever and then start gathering information like, you know, name and hometown and stuff like that. And then they would, uh, from there, they would try and, uh, and predict what that social security number was. And so then they would go back and, uh, and ask the people after they had gotten done with the survey, they would ask them, you know, is this the first first five digits of your of your social security number? And uh, they were, uh, I think it was like, um, let's see here, they were able to predict uh, the social security numbers for quite a few of the students. Um, and uh, more impressively, sixty percent of the students were foreign and didn't have social security numbers. And uh, those people were, it was able to find that these people didn't have a social security number. Mm. Like, 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 like basically anybody who didn't have a social security number, it was, it was pretty accurate at saying this person doesn't have a social security number. So that's interesting. It's yeah. It's kind of scary because, you know, you think about nanny States like the UK where they have uh, uh closer cameras everywhere. You know, you get a hold of that footage, and suddenly somebody can figure out information that's not supposed to be publicly available. Right. And and suddenly they can, you know, do all sorts of mean and nasty things with that information. I mean, just just the fact that they're using uh, that they can use uh, uh, facial recognition software to match you up with uh, stuff on the internet is scary enough. But the fact that then they can use that information that's publicly available to predict what your social security number is is kind of scary. Yeah, that's disturbing. Mm-hmm. We're getting closer to having the uh, the ads like they had in uh, um, uh, the one Tom Cruise movie. Minority Report? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, uh, it it's funny. The Minority Report more and more seems to me like the thing that, like the, the futurist nerd movie of choice. Like, it used to be that we wanted things that we saw on Star Trek, like the... Uh, the the communicators and the um, transporters and transporters and and food replicators and the um, the the medical diagnostic tool that I forgot the name of tricorder yeah the tricorder and now it's it's minority report and we want the fancy screen with multi touch and uh-huh. the yeah and ads that know who we are fucked up yeah <laughs> yepper so um we. I think it was two weeks ago we had that libertarian rant episode. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to do that again, even though I sort of did that already with the Second Life thing. But people always complain about how conservative um, Fox News is and how like they, they, they're, they're clearly conservative-minded and they claim that all other news sources are uh, unbiased, even though – and most of the time it's people that are liberal leaning saying that. And so they don't recognize that it's even an, like, so it's really hard to see water when you're inside the fish tank. And there were a couple of posts on Boing Boing this week that I saw that really bugged me because it was like, 
I, I'm not saying that Boing Boing isn't um, isn't unbiased or that it is biased. I'm just wait, isn't unbiased and that it is biased. That's the same thing. My point is there are posts that I think a lot of people read and just assumed that they were giving all sides of the argument. So this first one is about this FAA thing, okay. and the who wrote this one is Mark Froenfelder, who I think is the founder of Boing Boing. Um, basically, his argument was that, or the the point of the post was that uh, because of what's going on with the FAA and they can't pay their safety inspectors, it's essentially the government getting a loan from all of the safety inspectors because these people are all working without pay, and they're going to get their back pay eventually when the budget gets sorted out. But right now they're working without it, and so it's effectively as if they're loaning the government their wages. And so it's this whole anti-government post, but it never even enters into their minds that if it was privatized, the companies would be able to pay these people because it wouldn't be it wouldn't they wouldn't need congressional approval. Like they're they're all up in arms about how the government isn't doing the right thing, but it never occurs to them that maybe the solution is to take it out of the hands of the government. Um, so that was the first one, and it just sort of bugged me. But then I saw this other one that was um, – the post says the, – the, the headline is Vindictive Walmart erroneously accuses couple of shoplifting, has husband deported, wife fired, cost them their house and car. So basically what happened is these people went through the self-serve checkout, and one of their items didn't get rung upright. So then they had somebody come over and get it rung upright, but the security guard, like, insisted that they were stealing from the store, even though they showed proof that they had paid for the item. And it, he, like, went on this crazy rant and ended up calling the cops and somehow getting them arrested. And apparently the, the guy was not necessarily, I don't think he was a citizen yet. And so he, like, he was deported. And so the wife started paying all these legal fees to, to try and get her husband back into the country and to defend herself. And, um... It ended up costing her the house and car. They had to, she had to sell them both in order to make these payments. Um, and it's a really, truly awful story. But it's perfectly clear in the post that this was one guy that, that was a security guard at Walmart going just absolutely ballistic. And like it, it, it clearly states that the manager of the store and the, the cashier were on the side of these people. But the whole point of the story is to blame Walmart for being awful and having a guy deported when it was one guy. Like it wasn't even... Of the three Walmart employees that were involved in this, it wasn't even all three of them. Right. Um, and, like, it's it's so popular to take shots at Walmart, but it never even occurs to them to not blame Walmart for the, the act of one lone asshole who's, like, clearly a crazy person and a racist. Um, and that just drove me nuts. Although, when I... So I submitted this to Reddit, and it had already been submitted in a couple of other places. And I did see a comment that said... Uh, essentially because the store manager didn't put the security guard in his place and the security guard worked for Walmart, that effectively he was speaking on behalf of the company because the, the other people weren't taking the initiative to speak against him, which is, is a, I think, an interesting argument, if not necessarily, a, if, if not a valid one. But it just it bugs me that they're blaming this huge corporation for the acts of one guy that is not even a blip on the radar of the company's corporate policy. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I've been saying that for years. I mean, yeah, yes, I, I think that, that, that Fox News is more more than biased towards the right. But I also think that pretty much every nor news organization is biased one way or the other. 
mean, yeah. you know. And some are more biased than others, and some are less biased than others. But if you if you ever try and make the argument that MSC, NBC is less biased than Fox News, I we're going to have words. And so a lot of stuff has come up about how Fox News posts bad headlines or uh, reports on things that are inaccurate. And for that, I, I see their argument. And so that I understand. But saying that Fox News is biased and all other media sources aren't is just clearly showing your own personal bias in the opposite direction. Right. I remember hearing um, somebody somebody from uh, from England was talking about how um, back in back in the day there were basically two newspapers that you could uh, that you could get in 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 uh, England and uh, um, you know some people subscribed to one and some people subscribed to the other and it was because the one paper was was biased was biased conservatively and the other one was biased liberally and so the people who were conservative and wanted to hear the conservative point of view of things subscribed to the conservative uh, newspaper and the liberals subscribed to the, the liberal newspaper. And that's just the way it was. And everyone knew that, that one went one way and one went the other way. And, and yeah. it's, so it, it's, it's – And I think, that, I think that it used to be that way in the States too quite a while ago. I remember reading a biography of Lincoln and they were talking about that. And I don't know if it was – um, it seemed pretty clear to me when I was reading it that it was that way then, but I don't know if that was uh, because it was before some sort of law or if it was because it was flying in the face of some law. But I think the the point you're getting to is um, if there's some sort of legal restriction on whether or not you can be biased, that means that people assume that you're not, and it's harder to detect the fact that they clearly are. And, well, I guess it's harder to detect the fact that they are when someone on the opposite side would say that it's clear, clear to them. Um, the fact that everyone is pretending not to be biased makes it worse, in my opinion. Right. And, yeah, and that's that's the thing that bothers me. I don't care. I don't care if, if Fox News is biased, is a conservatively biased. And I, it's just that, you know, if somebody is making that claim, you know, they need to be aware of the fact that whatever their favorite news organization is, is probably biased in the opposite direction you know yeah it just don't it actually it, it don't throw stones or how does it go that don't throw stones if you live in a glass house or something like that yeah all right so uh on a less serious note uh oh japan you so crazy kind of goes along with the, uh, the 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 squirmy topics we've been talking about apparently uh, there's a pop i know what you're saying it just creeped me out too <laughs> there's a there's a popular dish in japan that is called uh odoi don which in english basically means dancing squid rice bowl i'm surprised there's not a couple of happy funs in there somewhere but uh, <laughs> um, basically what it is is it's uh um it's squid uh, dead squid on a uh, on a bed of rice, um, and so then what they do is they hack up the top of the head into uh, sashimi slices. But then the, the the big thing about this and the reason why it's called the dancing squid is because uh, you've got this squid that's all splayed out on the uh, on the bed of rice, and then you pour soy sauce on it. And uh, as you pour the soy sauce on it, it starts to to uh, squirm around and move and writhe and if you pour enough on it, it'll move around enough that it can actually walk off of the plate, um, which is exceptionally creepy to me. 
Um, but yeah. uh, apparently, what what the what how that happens is the uh, um, the when the soy sauce gets poured onto the uh, onto the body, it it causes uh, uh, neurons in the body to fire, which makes the body move as if it was still alive, even though the squid is very thoroughly completely dead. And yeah. uh, bonus, it's sort of like how a body can twitch. Basically, like how a body can twitch. Uh, after it's dead, like a human body, or like how a chicken can run around after its head has been cut off, or how a cockroach can live for several days after it's been decapitated. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, a bonus: this uh, this article actually has a video showing the um, the the squirmy dancy squid. Yeah, it's fucking disturbing. Yeah. I don't know why anyone. First of all, I don't know why anyone would eat anything that looked like that. And second of all, if it started dancing, I don't know why anyone wouldn't run screaming out. <laughs> because I watched that and I almost j- literally jumped out of my chair. Like I kicked back from my desk and I went, "Oh my god, what the fuck is that?" And uh, disturbed many of my coworkers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, that combined with the uh, uh, scratching through your skull kind of makes this the uh, the queasy episode not for the faint of heart or stomach yeah that's, that shit is gross like i have a pretty strong tolerance for being grossed out by stuff and that shit creeped me out <laughs> yeah all right well uh i just want to again remind people that uh you can vote on the stories that we talk about at what's the rumpus.reddit.com um, and you can even submit stories there. So uh, if you find something interesting that you want to hear us talk about, uh, go ahead and submit it there or vote on things. We generally do the most popular stories first. So, uh, um, yeah, what's the rumpus.reddit.com? And I think that's the rumpus. Talk smoking, double choking, linger on my spleen. I'm dying, I'm fine sometimes. Newspaper conservation, never in this intellection, never in these words are true. But I'm a little bit with the words escape out of state. That's not really true. I don't want to touch my head.